0: Hey everybody welcome into the flagship podcast we are in the month of august we got all kinds of things going on i am chip brown joined by our fearless leader the managing editor of horns 24 7 taylor estes taylor how's your august going so far
1: hey at least we made it out of july that's all i can be thankful for right now so one month closer to football season, hopefully, happening, and we actually have a schedule expectation now for the Big 12, so at least we got something to talk about today. We have a lot of things to talk about, actually, Chip, hey, as August.
0: You're right. About every month that we survive in Mad Dog 2020, every month we can put behind us is like a victory. Yes. You know, that that uh, hopefully we're getting one step closer to answers and Therapeutics and vaccines and something, please, positive, something. But you're right, Taylor. We do have uh, – we, ha- we appear to have college football on the way. The, uh, the Big 12 finally got around uh, to joining their Power 5 brethren with a plan for the 2020 college football season. We learned Monday night that they're going to go with the nine conference games plus one non conference game. And so the Big 12 has a plan, Taylor.
1: Hey. We're excited. That's very exciting. And but unfortunately, Chip for you, this is a not the best news cuz you were just talking recently on the Flagship podcast about how all you wanted for your birthday, which is September 12th, is to be in Baton Rouge for Texas LSU. And last week, with the SEC moving to a ten-game non-conference or a conference-only schedule, no non-conference teams expected. That nixes the Texas LSU rematch. You okay? You doing okay?
0: No, I'm not. you need okay. to
1: call in uh, some help.
0: Rowing things. <laughs> but um, yes, that was my birthday plans. were supposed to be in Baton Rouge with the LSU Tigers, and the SEC said no candy for you. (laughs) I'm like Charlie Brown on Halloween. You know, Lucy gets candy, Peppermint Patty gets candy and Chuck Brown, Chip Brown gets rocks in his trick or treat bag.
1: Oh, that's too, that's too bad. I'm sorry.
0: Enough about me. I mean, let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, brighter things. We are, well, This is airing on Wednesday. Um, We're recording on Tuesday, August 4th. We're waiting for the Big 12 to give us the official start date for for their college football season. We know that the SEC and the Pac-12 are going to start on September 26th. The SEC announced that they're not going to start fall camp practices until August 17th. As of right now, Texas is supposed to start practices on Friday of this week. And we'll see, because it sounds like, from what Chris Del Conte uh, has said, they want to uh, wait until after the NFL has started its season, which is the weekend of September 12th. And, and so it, we know that UTEP is going to be the non-conference game for Texas. Right now, that game is scheduled for September 19th. That could push to September 26th. Which would likely uh, change the practice start time for the Longhorns. But we're, as of right now, we are um, working under the schedule that has the Longhorns starting practice on Friday. And Taylor, we got all kinds of developments. Um, OU had just changed their schedule to play Missouri State on August um, 29th.
1: Right, they moved And up to
0: season. And now, so they've been practicing, and they've actually had some injuries that we will get to a little bit later in the podcast. But um, one of their backup quarterbacks, well, their backup quarterback, we say backup quarterback, Lincoln Riley says that Tanner Mordecai and, and Spencer Rattler are battling it out. Everybody thinks Spencer Rattler is going to be the starter. But uh, Tanner Mordecai uh, suffered an injury, and then um, middle linebacker Caleb Kelly also Uh, suffered an injury, and OU is probably going to have to stop practicing as soon as the Big 12 comes out with the official start date for the season because it's not going to be August 29th. Both OU and Kansas were scheduled to start their seasons on August 29th. I think that's going to change. So we've got some, you know, anticipation here as we wait for the Big 12 to give us the the official start date to the season. And that could come later this week, probably will. Um, everything I'm hearing is like, you know, by Friday. So, um, you know, exciting times right now. And uh, the the good news is obviously that the Big 12 is planning to have a football season.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that's all that we can hope for right now. And, and uh, you know, the football season is going to look a lot different away from just scheduling, um, with, you know, stadium capacity and, um, protocols once you get into the stadium chip. And I know you were on vacation last week, but, um,
0: Yeah. What happened? I go on vacation, Taylor, <laughs> and somehow the capacity shrinks from 50% to maybe 25%.
1: Yes. Yes. So, uh, after Chris Del Conte had sent out a letter to season ticket holders about potentially a 50% capacity, Texas is now looking into a 25% capacity for home games this season um, that was announced later last week and then this week news came out of some of the safety measures that Texas will be installing uh, for the 2020 home games at Texas which include anything from you know wearing face masks to utilizing um, mobile ticketing only, cashless transactions. People can even you know, pay for um, their concessions on the app, the Texas football or sports app. And then it also um, specifies tailgates and says currently tailgaters must adhere to uh, local and state COVID guidelines, wearing face mask coverings, practicing social distancing, and not gathering in groups of more than 25 per tailgate spot. What are your thoughts on some of the things that you've seen in that?
0: Well, I, I'm i all for every single thing that enables us to have college football. So whether it's these attendants at the restrooms who are waving people in and trying to maintain order and social distance um, and directing traffic through the restrooms, cashless uh, transactions to wearing a mask at all times. And look, um, you know, in talking to some some season ticket holders, Taylor, it's going to be hot in September. You're going to be wearing your mask at all times, except for when you, you know, lift it up to put some food in your mouth or to drink something. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not, I mean, it's going to be uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Period. Yeah. No, for sure.
0: You can be outside. You can be in the heat. You're gonna be wearing a mask. It's, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of love for your team. And passion to be one of the people going to the games and, and, um, and Chris Del Conte sent out an email to season ticket holders saying, Hey, um, we, we, you know, whether you want to use your tickets or not, we'd love it if you would keep your money with us for, um, your football season ticket, uh, contributions and payment, either as a down payment for next year or as a straight donation that's a 100% tax write-off to help Texas Athletics get through this this um, pandemic-induced shortfall that they're going to experience. And look, Texas, their fiscal year ends at the end of August, so they haven't had to announce any cuts up to this point, but you can bet there will be some cuts announced once we get to September. Um, Every school that's had their fiscal year come up, some had it come up in May, some in June, some July. And you've heard about shortfalls and cuts. We heard cutbacks at Iowa State er way early in the spring. And that's because their fiscal year came up. Um, And Texas has been lucky to to have a fiscal year that ends uh at the end of August but there will be cuts coming um I'm told it will not involve sports they will not cut any sports they will not cut any scholarships but um I would imagine there's going to be some some salary cut uh if not staff position cuts so um it's a it's a difficult time it's going to be uncomfortable for the fans in the stands with their mask on in the heat it's going to be uncomfortable for people in the athletic department and and then the fans have to decide what they're going to do about their football season ticket contribution if they don't want to use their tickets this year. So um, we're just in this unprecedented time, Taylor. And um, the good news is uh, Texas reported no new positive tests. I mean, we, we had that initial rash right. that we know about the 13 uh, positive tests and then the 20 that were in quarantine and then we didn't hear anything for a good long stretch. I'm pretty certain there was uh, a lot more COVID cases that came up that we didn't hear about. Um, and that a lot of the team has probably already had this thing and recovered from it. But the most recent information from Texas is no new positive tests. So, you know, you're trying to look out for the kids and maintain this, this safety and it's going to be a battle all season to try and keep 18 to 22 year olds from going out and mingling. I mean, even the guys in the NBA bubble are, you know, trying to bring girls into the bubble or whatever. I mean, it's human nature, right? You're fighting human nature as a, as a big part of the enemy here Yeah, trying to keep college football going.
1: No doubt. And you know, one thing, Chip, that was kind of, it almost became a joke, you know, that was a, unveiled last week with Texas the University of Texas with the students returning to campus one of the guidelines being reported that students are supposed to follow is no parties on or off campus I'm just gonna go on a limb and say good luck with that one I mean Texas was when I was in school at Texas it was one of the it was like I think it was the number one party school in the country. And so I know that's been a little while, but you don't,
0: you don't come to Austin, Texas to stay inside, right?
1: No, no. Like I read that and I just laughed. I'm just like, oh, I mean, it, it's a great idea. It's a great concept. It's great in theory. Now, implementing that theory is going to be, I think, near impossible. Like, and yet
0: I, that's what we're facing. Yeah. That's why I've said the coaching this year matters more than ever
1: Mm -hmm. because
0: it's not just about whether you can implement your offense or your defense or get your players to execute it and understand it. You have to coach them to go be completely responsible. When you're not around your players, you have to somehow get them to buy in to the fact that for three months, um, or what? Yeah. September, October, November, three and a half months that, Hey, can you just stay inside? Can yeah. you just go home with your roommates and play Yahtzee or something
1: mm-hmm.
0: instead of going and playing beer pong?
1: Right. Well, that's or, also up to the roommates too, to follow. I mean, some of these, not just cause they're on the football team doesn't mean that they only live with football players, you know? So that's, that's another challenge that could, be presented for some of the student athletes that they are, you know, living with people that are not fellow student athletes.
0: I mean, I guess you could play beer pong with your roommates.
1: Yeah. And just play it whenever. So ever since I've become like out of college, you know, age or whatever, the only time I ever play beer pong, I use water in the cups and just drink on the side. You don't have, I mean, there comes an age where it's like, I need to stop drinking out of a cup that other people are drinking out of that a ball that's going on the ground is going into and then just drinking the liquid inside. Nah, no. Nah. If I play beer pong, there's water in the cups, pull the cup, take a sip of your drink, and you're good. And I promise you, it's a lot. I mean, you don't have to drink warm beer. I mean, it's the way to go. So See? college students, listen to me. Trust me. I know. Yeah. I know my beer pong.
0: <laughs> listen, you come to the flagship podcast for all kinds of insider information and how to entertain yourself with your roommates during a pandemic with Taylor Estes. Okay. She's going to give you the tips. Literally. Go ahead. Well, get a girlfriend too, right? Yeah. Get a girlfriend who you know is behaving herself, wearing a mask, whatever. And then you don't have to go out looking. Yeah. You can just have a girlfriend for three months. Nothing wrong with that.
1: That might be more of a challenge, I think, for some athletes than not going to parties. So yeah,
0: might have a point there. (laughs) Might be asking for too much, right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, remember these are eighteen to twenty-two year old. You know, I know they're technically adults, but I was in no place to make adult decisions when I was eighteen years old, even though legally I was an adult. So, you know, that's putting a lot of um, not just pressure, but I guess really, um, trusting that these student athletes are going to follow suit. And I think that might be a little, a little challenging, but, you know, I think it's going to depend on how important the season is to these players too. You know, there's okay. a lot of players with a lot on the line, um, being the last year of eligibility that they have and, um, you know, possibly leaving early for the NFL draft, you know, guys like Sam Cosme is a great example. I mean, it benefits him, To make sure that everybody else is following through, because at this point he's, you know, projected to be potentially a first-round draft pick, as a you know he's going to be a redshirt junior, so he still has a year of eligibility left. So I think that it's going to be interesting, kind of, to see which players are really uh, focusing in on not just this season, but how it's going to impact their future as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. And look at the NFL, right? They have this opt-out period that's coming up this week. And 43 players have opted out including eight new england patriots including their defensive leader dante hightower who's like the defensive play caller linebacker do you think they would be opting out all these patriots if tom brady was still the quarterback there i mean it it is going to depend i mean i think you're going to have teams that sense they can win it all Mm -hmm. and those those teams are going to do a better job and you got to hope of holding each other accountable. It's going to be up to the players policing the players Mm -hmm. to make sure this stuff happens because the magic happens when the players are the ones leading the team, making the critical decisions, challenging each other, holding each other responsible, policing each other. This is what happened for Texas in 2005 when I was at the college college football Home Depot Awards in Orlando I asked Vince Young give me an example of your leadership this season and he said looking after Ramon's Taylor that was a full time job and I was like uh okay yeah. what does that mean he's like I had to keep him from going out every night you know and but that's what it takes yeah you have to look out for each other you have to police each other and there's Ramon's Taylor making touchdowns in the national championship game. So that's what is going to have to happen for Texas this year. The guys like Sam Ellinger, Joseph Osai, you know, Josh Thompson, all these guys who are veterans who want it, who sense it are going to have to hold each other accountable and they're going to have to make good decisions and, and not, uh, not, not mess it up for their teammates by being selfish.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing on the Patriots, I'm just curious about your thoughts. Do you think this is Bill Belichick's way of uh, tanking the season so that they can get maybe Trevor Lawrence in the upcoming NFL draft or Justin Fields or something? I mean, I mean,
0: it's uh, that would be very un-Belichickian, right? And how about the fact that they have Cam Newton, who was the Player of the Year, the MVP of the league in '15? They haven't even had an introductory press conference for the guy, right? I mean, it's uh. Does that I mean, make you think
1: he's a long term
0: Well, or just that Belichick is he just drains every bit of life out of what should be a fun sport, a sport you love, a passionate sport, a sport where you need to have passion and intensity. he just sucks the life out of it, but you know I that's that's a whole nother subject but
1: I think it works though. How many it does work? Bowl rings does he have two It hands does work, <laughs> but
0: it works when you have great player leadership too. Yeah, like
1: for sure. Like Tom, Tom Brady. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah.
0: All right. So Taylor, we've been reporting in the morning brew, some workout nuggets. Um, we reported previously on the flagship podcast that Keontae Ingram has been battling a hamstring injury. I'm told he is now cleared and back in practice as of today. Today being Tuesday, this people will start listening to this on Wednesday. So who knows um, uh, what uh, (laughs) it's kind of day to day with all these soft tissue injuries Um, on the radio show that I do in the mornings. We had Jake Spavitol, the head coach at Texas State on and, um, you know, I've reported that Texas has had a rash of soft tissue injuries, a lot of hamstrings because they haven't had spring practice. They haven't had the normal summer workouts. Their bodies are not as hardened and conditioned as they normally are so they're they're having soft tissue injuries and jake spavitol said yeah we're having the same thing so we're having to kind of tone it down and change things up because their bodies are just not in the same condition as you'd normally expect going into fall camp
1: yeah well i feel though And, you know, Chip, I want your opinion on this. It seems like these type of injuries have been very prevalent ever since Tom Herman has gotten to Texas. Like what this isn't the first time. I mean, how many times have we heard that guys are out for hamstring issues and that's when they have a normal, you know, spring, summer, fall camp, everything. I mean, this has been an ongoing issue, I feel like, especially for lower extremity issues at Texas. I mean, is that is there anything more to that in your opinion?
0: Well, I felt like last year was all the shoulder injuries on defense and that I thought I blame that on Todd Orlando's scheme, that whole, he, he, he just, in my opinion, and this is why I think he got let go, he was playing guys out of position and he was trying to have his, you know, that by pinching your ends into the fore, eye, you're trying to force things outside and you're, Counting on fast linebackers and fast uh, defensive backs to to close the gap and make the tackle well, you know you you have these high speed guys in collisions with their arms stretched out trying to make tackles and you're you're gonna end up with stingers and shoulders and so I'm gonna be very interested to see with Chris Ash completely changing the defense, going with a four three and trying to contain things you know, push things between, you know, the tackles and the A and B gaps, whereas linebackers can make the play, you know, they're bigger guys. That's, that's what you do. You try to push the the ball right to your, you know, bigger, stronger guys. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see if we have those kinds of injuries uh, again this year, if we do, then I will, I will say, sorry, Todd Orlando, my bad, but <laughs> my suspicion is that we had all those shoulders and stingers and everything else. It was because he was counting on his defensive backs to make too many plays. Well, um,
1: because he didn't no. trust the linebackers Yeah, to make those plays. They didn't want right. to push it in the middle of the field because then you're relying on very unproven or mediocre guys to make the play and then you're leaving, you know, if if they get past that second level of the defense, then it's a free-for-all of what could happen. You know, I think that's why he probably did it, but if the body, if your guys' bodies aren't built up enough to take on those type of tackles, then it's going to be a problem too. I mean, that was a perfect storm for disaster last season, I feel like. Just everything that could have gone wrong for the Texas defense went wrong.
0: Yeah, and you know what's interesting? Everybody's, Everybody copied John Haycock at Iowa State, that 3-8 cloud, and Baylor ran it to perfection mm-hmm. last year. They ran it better than Iowa State did. Um, and, of course, John, John Haycock's still here. He's got nine starters back on that Iowa State defense. Baylor, Phil Snow, Matt Rule, now in the NFL with the Carolina Panthers. We'll see what Dave Aranda brings um, to Baylor with uh, his defensive pedigree. I guarantee you it won't be anywhere close to what Matt Rule had going at Baylor last year.
1: Right. All right, Chip. Well, before we get to love it or leave it, we are going to have to take a very short break, but you definitely want to stay tuned because we have some hot topics in this week's love it or leave it, including OU linebacker Caleb Kelly's injury and how that could impact the Sooners' Big 12 chances. So stick around. We'll be right back.
0: Taylor, of course, we've got all kinds of specials going on this month. So if you're listening to us here on the flagship podcast and you're not an annual member of Horns 24/7, good gosh, they're giving you a 10-year anniversary special um in the month of August for you to join uh, 50% off annual membership. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's the deal of the century. So so jump on that. And then, yeah. of course, get over to iTunes and and give us a five star rating. Give us a review. We'll read we'll read your review right here on the flagship podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, and speaking of that, I do have a, a recent review to read here. Um, wow. This one came in uh, over on the Horns twenty four seven iTunes iTunes channel from uh, Shopperolic. And they Ooh. said, Taylor and Chip are awesome on the flagship podcast. Also enjoy listening to Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe, Matt Butler, and Rod Babers. So excited to hear the flagship will be on Mondays and Wednesdays. So appreciate that. Shopperolic, I believe is how you would Shopperolic. <laughs> yeah.
0: Appreciate so, yeah. you, Shoparolic.
1: Yeah, get on over to there. If you like our show, give us a five-star rating and review. Our bosses will be very happy with that, if we uh, continue that, cause we are doing pretty well with those five stars right now, Chip. And, um, you know, with that, you want to go to our weekly Love It or Leave It segment?
0: Yeah. And I just, I would just say, and make sure you go, go back and look at our previous episodes because, you know, we've had great interviews on the flagship podcast, Emmanuel Acho, uh, Sam Acho, recently Casey Hampton, and, and I'm trying to help, Casey gets some pro football hall of fame, love five-time <laughs> pro bowl or two-time super bowl winner with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, but all kinds of fun. Charles and Menehu. I mean, we've, we've had great interviews on the flagship as well. So check out all the previous episodes. If, uh, if you're just now discovering us.
1: Yes, absolutely. And with all right, that Jeff. Taylor, you ready?
0: It's time for everybody's favorite part of the flagship podcast. Love <laughs> it or leave it.
1: All right, I'm going to pose a few uh, statements to you, Chip. If you love it, then – or if you agree with it, then you'll love it. If you disagree with it, then you'll leave it. So with that, my first topic is love it or leave it. Texas is making the right choice with sticking with the UTEP as a non-conference game instead of facing South Florida.
0: Yeah, I know this uh, does nothing for Texas's strength of schedule – and, and that's been a factor. It's been a huge factor for the college football playoff committee. And Texas could be in, you know, position to have a special season this year. But in the COVID-19 world, I think Texas is doing the right thing by keeping UTEP as the non-conference opponent because they're part of the UT system. Right. They're going to be able to communicate about their testing. They're going to know what's going on in terms of the testing of the players so that they can feel confident that a team that they're bringing in uh, from out of conference has actually done the testing that they have said they're going to do. And, and then you're giving a school a payday. And why not keep it in the family? I mean, share some of that wealth with another UT system school. Um, South Florida uh, was supposed to be the uh, the opener mm-hmm. for Texas on September 5th, and they were expecting a $1.9 million payday. Texas is probably going to be able to get out of paying that under their catastrophic clause that allows for the game to be canceled for circumstances out of their control. Right, And a pandemic fits that. So... I, I think it's the right thing because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, not that South Florida is some world beater that's going to help Texas' strength of schedule. They're not. They just fired their coach. They just fired Charlie Strong. Yeah. And, uh, and, and hired Clemson's uh, offensive coordinator, so Jeff Scott. So, uh, yes, I'm going to love this, Taylor. Texas is doing the right thing by keeping UTEP – which is supposed to be one of the worst teams in college football this year. But they're doing the right thing.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And let's be honest. I mean, Texas has already paid enough money towards South Florida because when South Florida hired Charlie Strong, they backloaded his contract significantly. So I think, wasn't it his first? He had, what, two years left on his Texas contract? And South yeah. Florida paid him five hundred grand. Then Texas paid four point five million for this oh, yeah. year, so.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And then I yeah. think after what took three million after year two, they started paying him. So, yeah, they they already got their payout, I think, from Texas. But I think from a travel logistics standpoint as well, in addition to everything that you mentioned, you know, it's a much shorter trip from you know El Paso to Austin, and so I think that that also makes sense because when you have to put people on. You know, an enclosed plane and all of that. I mean, you're kind of already um, being at risk a little bit. So I think that'll be a better decision, all things considered. And great
0: point. <laughs> great point on the Charlie Strong uh, buyout and the way that South Florida stiffed Texas. So,
1: <laughs> I mean, it was a genius. Like, if, oh, you're, yeah. a, if you're a financial expert, you'd be like, South Florida did the right thing there <laughs> because of the way that Charlie Strong's contract was written. so,
0: Well, and Texas yeah. is kind of doing that to Rutgers right now with Chris Ash's contract. People are like, why is he only making $800,000? Uh, because Rutgers is paying.
1: Yeah. Yes. No doubt about it. All right. So my second love it or leave it for you is without LSU on the schedule, Texas' most difficult opponent in 2020 is Oklahoma.
0: Okay, I know I should say yes. I I should say that I'm going to love this, but I'm not. I'm not going to love this. I'm going to leave this. I've always said the fact that Texas gets half the house, and I don't care if it's only 25% this year, um, makes that game bearable for Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, The game that is going to be really, really tough, I think, for Texas, the, the toughest is going to be going to Stillwater, at the end of the year, um, because Oklahoma State, if they can just stay healthy and get their locker room issues all figured out, is so explosive on offense that uh, that game is bound to be a shootout. It's bound to be at night. It's bound to be, you know, all those those clapboards or whatever they slam on those mats. It, it right behind the bench. I mean, my gosh, there's like no room to stand on none, that field.
1: None at all. And I've been on that field for full games before. No room at all.
0: Right. That game to me is the most difficult. I mean, OU's the five time defending big 12 champ, but Texas gets half the house in the cotton bowl and they got the veteran quarterback this year. OU's got a first time starter. We mentioned the, the Caleb Kelly injury. I mean, I'm going to go with – I'm going to leave this, Taylor. I'm going with Oklahoma State as the most difficult game on the schedule.
1: Man, I for sure thought you were going to love that one because I'm going to leave it as well. Um, You know, that final game at Oklahoma State, assuming that the schedule remains the, the same that it is currently. Now, if that changes, I could change my opinion on this, but going to Stillwater, final game of the regular season, if the season plays out the way that people, I think, are anticipating it to, this could be big 12 title chances on the line in Stillwater. And then you're doing, you know, you're on the road, that stadium is, I mean, as you'd mentioned, those paddles that they use, like, so the sidelines, I'll give people kind of a behind the scenes here. The sidelines inside uh, Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater are so tight that for if you're on the field like shooting the game for video or camera or photography whatever type of way and you're trying to walk to the other side of the field you have to go up into the stands to walk and then go back down onto the field because there's no room to walk behind the bench and those paddles I mean the first time I covered a game on the field at Oklahoma State I honestly kind of thought I was going crazy for a few days afterwards because all I kept hearing in my head were the swatting of the paddles like for days on end. I wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh my gosh, what's going on? It's like, I'm losing my mind because I'm still hearing the echo of the swatting of the paddles against the, the uh, padded walls there. So yeah, I, I am going to go with you. I'm going to leave this and say Oklahoma State is going to be probably the toughest game for Texas. At this point, you know, if if some significant injuries or something changes, that could change. But right now, for sure, I agree with you.
0: Yeah. I mean, people are probably saying, oh, my gosh, they've lost their minds.
1: I know. we has almost
0: been in the playoff the last three years. Yeah. And maybe maybe we are nuts.
1: We but might be. We might be as possible. nuts as I felt when I kept waking up hearing the swatting of the paddles. I don't know. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's Mad Dog 2020. So we're yeah. bound to have all lost our minds by now.
1: No doubt. All right, Chip. So, here's the next one. Love it or leave it. The Big 12 has an advantage over other Power 5 conferences since the league already plays a round robin schedule annually, where conferences like the SEC are used to only playing eight conference games.
0: Yeah, I mean as as from a scheduling standpoint right now, when you talk conference only, I'm going to love this because the Big 12 is I mean, they're all conference all the time. I mean, they play nine conference games. They play everybody. There's no, oh, we play eight conference games, but we have 14 schools. So we got to pick and choose who's going to play who from the other division, like Texas A&M, mm-hmm. Texas A&M. Okay. They're going to play everyone in the SEC West, but then who do they go play from the SEC East? They always play South Carolina, which is like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You lucky dog. You know, you're not. I mean, LSU always plays Florida. Right. So is AM gonna have to play Florida this year? Mm-hmm. I mean, because if they do, that's an L. Yeah. Dan Mullen and the Gators, I got them in the college football playoff. I I love Dan Mullen. I've said that. If uh if Tom Herman won the lottery and decided to go buy an island, I'd go hire Dan Mullen, you mm-hmm. know. But Yes, I'm going to love this because the Big 12, they don't have any decisions to make. I mean, the only decision they had to make was, uh-oh, everyone's playing a 10-game schedule. We're going to have to add a game. So right. everyone's going to add a non-conference game at home. And, and the rest is, man, we already have that. So I yeah. will love this.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. It's you know, they're they're accustomed to this type of scheduling. They know what they've been expecting the schedule all year. And, you know, one thing when you look at like the SEC scheduling, I've always thought it's kind of ridiculous that they only play eight conference games. Personally, I think that it should be at least nine because, I mean, most conferences play three non-conference games. The SEC plays four. And it took eight years, eight years of AM being in the SEC before they even played Georgia. So I definitely think that this gives the Big 12 a little bit of an advantage because they've already been preparing for this season. And honestly, one of the toughest games that was on their schedule that they've been, I imagine, had circled since the last, uh, you know, the LSU game in 2019 after Texas lost that nail-biter of one. I mean, that one's off. So now it's kind of like, okay, so... Let's focus on the teams that we always play anyway and that we have already been prepared for. So, I definitely think this gives the Big 12 a bit of an advantage.
0: Yeah. And Chris Del Conte said they will make up this LSU game. The question is when? Yeah. I mean, their next vacancy on the schedule, uh, and they can, I can always move stuff around, but the next vacancy is 34.
1: They can? Because I thought AM has uh. died because they can't. Uh change any of their non-conference schedule. No.
0: Amazing how A&M didn't want to make room for Texas. They wanted to keep the Miami Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does A&M talk about the Miami Hurricanes in their fight song?
1: Uh, probably not.
0: I don't – yeah. I think they talk about sawing varsity's horns off.
1: They might be – they might talk about Manny Diaz, though, considering uh, the last time they played Texas, he was the defense coordinator there in that defense – uh, put it to the Aggies in that game. So (laughs) maybe that's why they don't want to get rid of it.
0: Manny Diaz, who's got Dana Holgerson's quarterback, De'Ara King. Mm -hmm. Manny better do something with that, uh, with that golden parachute. Oh,
1: no doubt. No doubt. All right, Chip. So the final love it or leave it, in addition to playing a first time starter at quarterback, Now Oklahoma may have lost Kenneth Murray's replacement and linebacker Caleb Kelly after reports surfaced claiming that Kelly suffered a significant knee injury. Some reports said that it could have been a torn ACL. Um, No official word out of OU yet. But love it or leave it, this diminishes OU's chances of winning the Big 12 title for the sixth straight year.
0: Well, I'm going to love this. Because Caleb Kelly's a senior. He was a five-star recruit. He's been productive. You're replacing Kenneth Murray, who was a tackling machine and a high draft pick uh, by the NFL. You can't afford to lose guys like that and, and not have it affect your team. And I, I get that OU's recruited well and Alex Grinch uh, did a nice job with that defense, sort of a turnaround from Mike Stoops. Well, good God. They were dead last in total defense in 18. And then they went to number one in the conference and run defense last year. So great job by Alex Grinch, but man, you need to have your, you need to have your war daddies, your, your veterans, uh, on the field. I, I'm going to love this. I'm I'm sorry for Caleb Kelly. And, uh. Look, you always want to beat the best at their best. Right. You know, like when Texas and Ohio State played in oh five up in Columbus, you had you know, you had A. J. Hawk on the field, you had Bobby Carpenter and Anthony Schlegel going up against Vince Young and and Jamal Charles and you know, it was best against best, and that's that's what you want. But um I have to think that this is gonna impact that OU defense and and so I'm I'm going to end up loving this because I agree that it will cause OU to take a little step back.
1: Okay. I'm going to leave it just from a stance of if it diminishes their chance of repeating. You know, Oklahoma has won the Big 12 with terrible defenses and with a good defense. So at this point, you know, I feel like I'm kind of a broken record. A lot of the reason why OU has seen so much success in, especially in the Big 12 title, has been because of Lincoln Riley, his offenses, both as, you know, the head coach and also when he was offensive coordinator under Bob Stoops. So I'm going to leave it, you know, definitely, it's really unfortunate. You never want to lose a senior linebacker, especially, I mean, Texas knows, you know, those different makers, those difference makers at linebacker really can be the difference of having a, you know, anywhere from a mediocre to a good defense or a terrible one. And Texas went through that, you know, last year without the linebacker depth that they lost with Gary Johnson and Anthony Wheeler leaving the previous season. So I do think that this is really unfortunate for Oklahoma. However, until Lincoln Riley shows that he's not, you know, that the offense can't carry the team and make its way to a big 12 title, then I'm just going to have to say that I'm going to leave this and say it's not going to diminish that chance.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Lincoln Riley. The mule shoe magician. His parents went to Texas, by the way. Um, all right, Taylor, great stuff. As always, I hope, uh, I hope everyone has enjoyed listening to the flagship podcast. We sure do appreciate your time. And, uh, again, feel free to jump over to iTunes and, uh, give us a five-star rating and a, and a review. We'll read the review on the flagship podcast next week. So, um, feel free to do that. And don't forget about the 50% off promo the month of August celebrating the 10 year anniversary of 24 seven sports. Um, So until next week for Taylor Estes, I am chip Brown, stay safe and keep the faith, everybody.